This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Canadian Grammy Award winner Alex Kuba is going on tour and he might be playing in your hometown soon. He tells us more about his tour, new music, and what life is like after winning a Grammy. Handy Andy Barrar helps your utility bills. He wants to keep them low. He tells us how you can actually get a device and measure your electricity costs with this new thing that you can attach to your breakers and see how much you spend on specific things in your house, like your laundry. Are you okay with Santa? we got some DNA tests coming up. What about mascots? No DNA tests for mascots. That would be weird. They're not real. What books should we read? Your calls, texts, and suggestions on books that Shane and Ryan should read here on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Alex Kuba's here. Hey, man. Long time to speak. It's been a little bit here, um, and uh, I always find it funny. We seem to always speak on the coldest of the days, um, which I get a kick out of because you're the guy who was in the Caribbean, <laughs> fell in love with a girl, moved to Canada, and you purposely stay in the cold, and I'm, like, dying to get out of the cold. So I find <laughs> that I find it very ironic, Alex. Yeah, I know. It's... Um... Sometimes I have an explanation for it. Sometimes I don't. I'm, I, I don't know how it happened or how I managed to stay here. <laughs> Just creating music uh, and no minding, no minding the the weather. So, but yeah, yeah you're right. Today's cold, uh, but it hasn't been like that in the last uh, month. Yeah, it's around, been nice. We've been been around zero. I've been enjoying my Cuban cigars outside. But now today is minus 18 and, you know, it changes a little bit. The Not board. doing it. <laughs> I like that. Alex Kuba is a musician, um, Latin music, Latin Grammys, Grammys, all of the things, and uh, been incredibly successful for a long time and getting even more and more recognized lately. And really what's happening is he's going to do a bunch of shows. So we thought it a great excuse to say hello. That's really all it boils down to and find out sort of what's new and what's going on. Let's talk about the business at hand first uh, here, Alex, which includes uh, heading out of the road, February, you're in Waterford, uh, London, Ontario, then you're in Ottawa, February 4th, which by the way, I am in Ottawa, February 4th, just saying, I'm oh. gonna let you buy me lunch. That deal, that's great. Yep, good, right well, actually like, <laughs> let the business people buy us lunch, but uh, Peter, back down south again to Peterborough, and then you're gonna hit the road, you're coming back, so Swift Current, Regina, uh, St. Albert, which is just Edmonton. Um, then you're going to Miami Beach and you're going to do some stuff down there. Is that just one of those things that you have to do because it's Latin music? So every chance you can possibly go to Miami to build, to deliver to the audience that's already there and, and build more audience. I mean, it seems like that's kind of the go-to, the Mecca. Yeah. yeah it's um, Although uh, with me, it's a, it's a hidden mystery because... Um, Sometimes the more concentrated you get in a niche, the more specific they come, they become about music, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so I keep saying my, you know, my niche is all over the world. And it's tricky to put them all together in one room. But it's, uh, it inspires me to keep going, you know, because uh, yeah, the way I see music and the, the way I see the world. But uh, that's a festival in Miami. It's called Global Cuba Fest. They've been trying to get me to do that for a while. So, and we finally now came to an agreement, you know, and after the pandemic and all of that. So I'm really excited to that, you know, to get to play a different view on Latin music for the Miami, mostly Cuban people. <laughs> yeah. See, that's cool. How, Oh, I, you always make me inspired for so many questions. So how is that now? I mean, after Latin Grammy stuff and after the uh, hall of fame, because your costume is in the Hall of Fame, and um, all of those things have happened. Now Grammys have happened. That must really change the conversation when festivals like this call. Like, it must be different. Yeah. Um, yes, that that is obviously the the deep and and I don't know um, obvious enthusiasm from them to showcase what I've done and, and to, to, um, you know, to, to embrace it as, um, you know, something that culturally has value, you know, um, and could potentially make a whole bunch of people proud, you know, um, that sort of 
thing, you know. Um, I, I remain a little bit of a mystery for them down there because I live in the snow. Everybody knows that down in Miami. <laughs> I live halfway through Alaska. Everybody knows that down in Miami. And so they, they, I'm quite a mystery and a legend for them, you know, down there. It's, uh, I think finally what they wanted to do was just put a face to the legend. <laughs> right. That's good. Try to solve the mystery, though. Hey, Let's you gotta solve be this a little mystery. Mysterious. Who is this guy, man? Is he going to come down with a couple of grizzly bears? Or what is, what yeah. is it, you know? <laughs> I love it. So uh, what's that like for you? I mean, you are you married a Canadian, so here you are living in northern BC. And um, you... But at the same time, you go do these shows across Canada. Like, if I, if I were to pick a city yeah. where Latin music would be popular, I would lose the bet if Swift Current was the city, right? Like, I would not be like, hey, go to Swift Current. Like, that's the place, man. You want to find the Latinos. You want to find the Latin dancers. You want to find, right? Like, I would lose that bet. So it must be interesting because you have people who are fans of the music. Yeah. Uh, you have people that are fans of you in particular. And then you have some people that are probably just curious and have never been exposed to the culture even, let you know, being around Latin culture, Cuba, Caribbean culture, any of it. Right. So what a cool, at one point, it's this wicked, cool melting pot of humanity. And at the same part, it must be kind of clumsy. You know, um, challenges, you will find them everywhere if you are um, at some point in your life focusing more on the challenges that, that, than on the, on the opportunities. That is something that we all go through. You know, that is a time where we are focusing more on the opportunities and we see opportunities anywhere, everywhere. Uh, I saw very early in my career in Canada that um, Latin music was uh, not finding its way into mainstream music industry of Canada. What I mean by that is that, yeah, you, 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 might, you might think, man, Toronto has like a lot of Latinos. What are you doing in Smithers? Go to, to where there is Latin people for your music and stuff like that. It, it doesn't co quite work that way for me because what Latin music does in Toronto is, is to work and operate within the margins of society, you know, of the population. I'm from here, from halfway through Alaska, I'm showing my Afro to the whole entire country. And how you do that? It's by focusing and to create something exceptional. Music has to be for the world. Music has to be strong. Music has to be original. Music has to be beautiful. Music has to be at its best. And that's what, that's what believing in a remote community has done for me. Allow me to focus into crafting and a persona, a persona, you know, an identity in music. And then when that hits there, no one sounds like me. Uh, everyone knows it's me, but no, you know what I mean? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I don't want to come across like I'm too full of myself or anything, but it's time to talk like that because it's time to bring people's confidence up again mm. since we lost so much of it during the pandemic. I believe in myself music, I always believe. And I'm going to keep demonstrating that, that you don't need to live a where you know, traditionally, uh, all of the venues have been and all of that. For example, I'm just going to, you know, I don't want to become too funny about this, but you and I usually have fun when we talk because we are open. We do, it's true. That's, that's the thing. We are open. We don't hold back, right? But nope, if I was to ask you for another Latin name in music in Canada, you probably, you probably have a hard time finding one. Well, other than the mainstream the Shakiras of the world and write all of those. <laughs> no, no, I mean, That's it, right? Like I mean, in Canada. Oh, like from Canada. Yes. Oh no, I don't know anybody but you. There That's you it. I mean, dude. I mean, after I've met you, do I need to know anybody else? After I'm friends with Alex Cuba, I don't. I mean, come on. Well, thanks for that. But of course, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, what I'm doing, and I hope to be doing, is creating awareness for Latin music in Canada. Can I tell you what I hear in this, which I think is really cool? What is it? I've been doing a bunch of work inside relationships and identity. Yeah. And um, I, relationships simply defined, we often get it backwards. We think we meet somebody and we're like, oh, what can this person do for me? That's not what a relationship is. Relationship is about being true to yourself and giving that self to someone else. Mm 
And then there's a connection that happens. And you can take that to your coworkers, uh, your colleagues. You can take that to your personal relationships, you know, your partner. When you look at your relationship from what am I, I'm bringing this to the world. So translate to music. It may be a bit of a metaphor to say your music is just a relationship, right? And yeah. that that's what you're doing. If you look, so many people go into music and you have to understand, like when I, when I was a music director in, in radio, I did it for like 15 years. And there's many singers that are very popular today because I put them on the radio for the very first time. And it's a very long list. And they the and I'm proud of that. So many people go into go into music expecting I'm gonna make music, then what what's the world gonna give to me for my music? Right? They're expecting the the to have stuff come to them. When you go into music and you just make music to give the music away all economics and capitalism aside, which I, I'm a big fan of capitalism, but the all all the business of it aside, when you make music to make the music, when you make the music to give yourself, when you make the music to give the music, all of a sudden the relationship seems to change. And that's always what I've seen with you, is you have always made the music to give the music, right? To share it with the world, as opposed to, hey, look what I've done, what are you gonna give to me? And is that a fair look, fair shake at the way that so many people get this backwards when they start to release music and do shows and everything else, they go into the show expecting the audience to clap for them and cheer, as opposed to, you've given me this opportunity, I'm going to give you all of this, I hope you enjoy it, here we go, right? Yeah. I think it's backwards, we often get it backwards, and maybe it's our negative side of humanity that we often get misled by, You know, but I think it, they have it backwards, and I hear that. Uh, that, that, is, that is a very deep point you touched there. And I'm gonna tell you, um, in a lot of ways, is is you know is 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 not is you know the musician's fault or even the audience. I think it's it's all of us the way we choose to see things. Music business has always been uh, seen as, as you know the big time. Oh, if my daughter has talent, that means she's gonna become famous. I'd rather say if my daughter has talent, I'm gonna make it work to reach her best self, to take that to the moon. And if she, for whatever reason, came to this world to connect with people, we'll see, we will see it. But I'd rather she becomes her best self at what she loves. Everything else comes after. But the personal gratification and the personal feel good of knowing that you are at the top of your game because you've given it what it takes, it never leaves you. And we're talking now about self-confidence. It gives you that confidence in yourself and the purpose of knowing, you know, uh, the purpose of doing what you're doing for for for, for a purpose. I mean, a lot, a, the purpose uh, of becoming famous tomorrow where things thing, I mean, pretty quick, as soon as you put your single, your first single out, and nobody played it, and you had all, all kinds of hopes about it, that purpose delete, it, it, you know, goes away in seconds. But if your purpose is to start throwing, you know, showing my work, because I believe I have the talent, and I have something to say in music, and I'm gonna use that something to say to make people better, to give them a love to share love to give you know that's the thing that's the thing uh, music has been seen forever as you know as as, as 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 a game that you can become millionaire at it. and and my god if you don't become millionaire you must not be a good musician because uh <laughs> you know yeah absolutely you know what i mean yeah. when where's I come... your big house because you're you're not successful unless you have a big house exactly when i last time i checked um you're successful if people come and show up and listen exactly or if you raise a family from from what you love that's more, most importantly which has been my case living yeah. in northern bc very simple life um i am grateful to you know for a lot of things because i could be perfectly you know getting myself into crazy things and then having a rocky life i mean i i i I go for, I taste risk. And the very fact that I live here is, is, is a major sign that I took the biggest risk, risk 
evolve, you know, go to a place mm-hmm. where no musicians live. I tell you, when I moved to Smithers, music was looked at here as something weird, something strange. No parents will ever want their kids to go, you know, any any close to music because music meant a, you are not going to be able to sound on your own two feet. You are um, going to be the black sheep of the family. Everybody is going to have to help you because you are just the bump, you know, like pre- pretending that you're a musician. I, I am very proud to tell you that uh, the view of music today here where I am is a very different one. People respect it. Mm-hmm. And that respect defines how far you go in it because you have to respect it first. It's, it's a serious thing. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a respectable uh, thing to do in life as much as uh, somebody that goes to university to become, uh, I don't know, a teacher or whatever. And music is serious. And, and some people don't want to see it that way. It's serious. And when you got something burning inside your chest, and you are going to give music so much time because you need to, you know, it's serious. It's, it's serious, you know. It's nothing to be taken for granted. So I, I spent a lot of time in, in, in creating in my studio here, as you see, um, during the pandemic. With we, um, I mean, after the pandemic, we uh, decided to um, turn my garage into a full studio. And I'm sitting here now talking to you in this beautiful room. We have heated floors and all of that because... Uh, you know, that's the only way the Caribbean guy can stay warm. Creative, <laughs> See, you do like the warm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, man. So this that's is so uh, good. You Well, this summer, though, you set aside some time in Smithers uh, to not only bring, um, like, literally into everybody's lap. Here is the music. Here's some time. Like, some shows this summer around Canada Day. You're going to share your family. Uh, you're also going to share the music and invite everybody to come. And that's new, too. That must feel really great to think that not only the, you know, the, um, the embrace that's come from the community, but now you're able to really express yourself and just say, you know, here it all is, a bunch of days, everyone's welcome, let's go. Yeah. Uh, I believe the, the festival here in Smithers, it's called Midsummer Festival. They're doing something super cool this year. They want to focus on families that play together. And everyone knows my dad around here. My dad is like a big star. Every time he comes to Smithers, he steals my show very easily. <laughs> <laughs> no, but people really love him up here. And um, so we're gonna play. We're gonna play this summer together. Um, he's coming up in a couple of weeks. And um, I'm I'm happy about that because I haven't seen my parents in three and a half years now. So they're both going to come and you know, it's going to be a moment to celebrate for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to invite everybody to a bit of a challenge and I'm, I'm hoping that you'll support this. Uh-huh. That if you get a chance to see Alex Cuba, I, I mean, do it. I, I love the music. I have not seen him play live. I'm hoping that's going to happen shortly here. Um, but whoever you go see, whoever you're a fan of the music, when I speak about giving in a relationship and what that looks like, Imagine if we went to a concert and we actually spent some time to be aware of what we were giving back. I mean, if you're standing there with your arms crossed, whatever, you're going through your bad day. Can you possibly stop before you walk through the auditorium door? Can you stop and just shake it off and be like, you know what, all this stuff that's been going on? Okay, now it's time to let it go. And then just express yourself. And for some people, that will be jumping up and down and dancing all over. And some people will be like, I kind of want to dance, but I don't really know how. And they'll try. And other people will just stand there with a smile on their face. Whatever it is for you, express that back. Give that back. So what if we took responsibility as fans of music to go to whatever show we want to watch and just gave that back? Not clapping because you think you should clap now. Uh, it's the end of the whatever, so we clap now. Like, not that. Just express it and be it as an audience and as as fans of it instead of just gobbling it all up. What if we could reflect that back? I feel like I'm talking about the Care Bears a little bit, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> totally psychedelic. But, I mean, that's my hippie heart coming through and saying, Alex, what does that world look like when you get those people that are literally giving it right back to you? It's always uh, very exciting. Um you know, to get to that point where your audience feel comfortable in front of you. Is that the magic? Of, it's very magical, yeah, of, you know, giving themselves to it. And 
and um, making you feel, making making you making you see how much they appreciate what you do, what you're doing. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. I'm also um, I also received so much mail from fans from all over the world telling me um, how my my music has helped them to get through a bad day, bad month, a bad year. And um, I tell you, that's that's so beautiful when somebody finds the confidence to say something like that to you, you know. And wow, Love it. I think I feel, you know, a lot of people. A lot of people ask me after I won, you know, after I win award, awards and stuff like that. People ask me, "What do you feel? Do you feel pressure, uh, sense of responsibility from that point forward?" I think the biggest sense of responsibility I, I ever feel is is when reading one of those mail. You know, mm. when my my wife and partner in crime, as I call it, reads something like that to me, and I'm like, oh, I guess I guess what we're doing means something to to some people, and and it's just wonderful to see it, to to read it. You know, um, we live in a very um, interesting world. Let's just put it that way. Today, more than ever, I am gonna venture into saying that. The whole that there has always been challenges and and weird things happening in the world, but today, because of the step that we have taken into embracing social media and and the virtual world, without not really knowing yet what is what is doing to us, um, it's very easy to feel uh, that that you don't have you don't have a voice that you you, you can compete with the things that have been pushed on to you with the massive amount of information. And, you know, it wasn't until too long that I, I sort of was able to, you know, really see through through that, that old noise and say, you know what? The noisier the world becomes, the more important is the, the, the honesty of a musician, the, the true love and passion of a musician to come to come forward to put it out, rather than hey, I'm gonna make a song like that so that you know the, so that I can easily get people follow with me or you know what I mean. Um, just being honest with yourself and and putting that out there, I think, is like brain food these days. Honesty <laughs> to a lot of yeah, people. Oh God, isn't it refreshing? Honesty these days. Yeah. Um, Mendo was the last album that came out. That was the Grammy album. Uh, it's only been, uh, well, it was 2022. Don't be such a slacker. Get some new music out already, will you? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, are you on new music now? Are you already working on new stuff? Yeah, the, my new tune, uh, the first single of the year is coming out on the 10th. Uh, it's called Quiero Quedarme. It's a pretty, I mean, we chose that day because the song is primarily a love song, of course, uh, but very funky and you know, rhythmical and beautiful. I'm really happy. I'm very proud. I can't wait for Canada to hear it and see what's up, you know? <laughs> Love it. That's so great. Uh, Alex Kuba here on the show, on The Shift, and um, joining us with uh, with a lot of fun stuff. So I'll post some links up so everyone can see where you're going to be um, at shiftheads.ca. And uh, we'll post some songs up too so everyone can introduce themselves if they've never met your music before. Um, and this That's is great. Good, so great to see you, brother. Likewise, man. Likewise. This is the Shift Podcast. Still growing. Boy, those those genetics, man. That is some good facial hair. Like serious. Are you yeah. using a little uh, hair, like little uh, hair club for men colorant tint to get black there, buddy? I am. I am because you what are. happens is, well, here's the thing, Shane. That for most men, uh, the hair is darker, like towards where your chin is, mm -hmm. and then um, later on, it basically, you know, on the top part, it's a little bit lighter. So I used a little bit of hair dye to kind of fill it in. Make it look yeah. thicker. Yeah, it's good. It looks kind of cheating, well but it works. Oh, it works cheating. really Hang well. On. It's not cheating at all. 
Uh, it's just uh, it's just putting black in your hair. That's not cheating. Cheating is something that you're telling yourself, buddy. You are killing it. You're hell. You are very follically inclined. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's get started. You have that video posted that you've already shared there. I don't even know if that's where you're planning on starting, but let's get started yep. with that because um, it, it looks kind of creative to me. Yeah, so um, this video that I posted really shows you how you can measure your home electricity costs at the level of your breaker. So our company called Emporia Energy, based out in the U.S., they have this gadget that you would connect inside the, the breaker box inside your home. So each breaker, there's this little module that goes on top of the wire. So you don't actually take the wires off or anything. You just put this module on top of the, each wire that, and it shows you the electricity that's coming out of each breaker. And you can actually measure how much electricity at the breaker level and then combine it all to see how much electricity you're using in your entire home. So for example, your breaker, you'll have a separate breaker for your washer and dryer. And you're gonna be able to measure exactly how much you're spending uh, using your dryer oh, during the winter with this kind of system. And it all goes into an app. So you can measure and you can find the dollar value it costs to, to dry your clothes. Oh, so you could even go further with that. I didn't think of it that way when you posted it. So this is cool. So you could even go, so with your stove, if yep. all you did on your stove, most stoves have a 120 volt on top, right? That you can plug into. So yes. if you only used your stove, because that's on its own breaker, and the outlet that's on top that gets um, reduced from that same breaker, you could do your toaster, you could do your air fryer, your blender, all of your food prep appliances through that for a series of time. And you could tell how much you're using for just appliances, like whether you use your stove, whether you use your air fryer, whether you use, like you even put your coffee pot on there. Um, and that way you could really get a really good idea of what you're spending for appliances in the kitchen too. Exactly. And this is great if you say um, you have a roommate or you're a landlord or you're a tenant, you're going to be able to, to gauge how much electricity you're using at the breaker level, but also devices. So say in the summertime, if your uh, roommate is using an AC in their room and your electricity bill is always high, now you can go to them with, with tangible proof and saying, this is how much your AC is being used in your bedroom. So you should pay approximately so, so uh, for the electricity bill. So I think this is really cool. And I think this is where homes really need to, to think about at that breaker level, because we talk about smart home, but this is truly a smart home when you can measure the electricity that you're using. Not only that, Shane, this company they understand that everyone, everything is going electric. They're going to have electric cars. So they have an EV, a bi-directional electric vehicle charger that you can install in your home. But this new one that they're having, it's bi-directional. So in some regions, um, depending what city you live in, you have different rates for peak energy hours. So can you give me one peak... second here? Because yeah. I love what you're saying. And I just want you to know something. I'm going to have this like vanity ego righteous moment right now and i'm gonna ask my buddy ryan o'donnell hey ryan listen to the rest of this story and think back to what i said about a year or so ago and i was told i was a fool for this idea so listen carefully to the rest of what andy has to say and then you can validate me later i, I really want to be okay. validated here so this bi-directional ev charger that they have that you would install to charge your electric vehicle at home they're, so what, what they understand is that there's peak hours for electricity in some regions. And what they're trying to do is that when it's peak hours, they will use the power that's in your car that's parked inside your, your garage, use the energy inside that battery to power your home. And then when the peak energy goes down, it'll recharge your battery. So it's, it's being very, very smart in how it's using energy to help you save money. And it's using a lot of kind of machine learning, understanding your energy usage, and then optimizing it to make sure that you can save money. Such a brilliant idea, Shane. Something I never even thought about. <laughs> but did you think about this before or something? Dude, I've been saying this for years. Like, we don't even need to... Uh... He, he has, but you know, he didn't, you know, Andy, when you have a good idea, you have to scream copyright my idea, but he I didn't did, do yeah. that. So I probably did actually, I, I am that greedy, <laughs> but the, 
the thing though, what it's incredibly inefficient because they are boosting the power from 12 volts to 120 volts. And so it is inefficient. But with all, I've always, this is what I've always said. Why are we, we're doing this backwards. We're taking electricity from the grid and putting it into the cars. Instead, we waste so much energy into braking and all these things. We should be taking all of the braking from the cars generating electricity and putting yeah. it into the houses. We, I, I stand by. We've been doing this backwards all along. It doesn't really help with the carbon thing, but if you think about coal-fired power plants and then gasoline cars and you start to go, okay, well, if we could reduce one, does it ever start to reach sort of an apex of crossover? And I'm not sure that it does, but, I mean, why we waste so much electricity and energy yes. with things like braking. It's wild to me, and I would suggest that if every car had enough battery to come in and you just came into your house and it just dumped that electricity straight back into the network and everybody did it, it would have a massive impact, even if it's inefficient. Well, what I like about this notion is that you look at that car and you look at it as a big battery bank. You know, like we have these battery banks that we charge for our smartphones that we take when we need power, but this is a gigantic one that could actually power your home and it makes sense that if you have peak energy hours, you don't want to charge your car. And if your car is just sitting there, you might as well use that power that's already in it to power your home. And they did it to another level, Shane, where they have solar panels. They're building battery banks. They're going to be taking on Tesla with these at-home battery banks so that when it's sunny outside, you can charge, put into that battery pack for your home, You know, power your home, and then say when the, the peak energy is at its lowest, then you will use the electricity if you don't have any sun. So it's taking all these different sources and the home, it's doing it all on the back end. So you don't actually have to think about it, but the net effect is to save you money. So I really think when they build homes of the future, they got to take this in mind to be more energy efficient. It's not just turn the lights off. We have to use machine learning to kind of understand our energy usage and then optimize it based upon the sun, or these power banks and also electric vehicles and the power that's already sitting inside that that you know that vehicle. Well, electricity storage has been the problem all along, and um, if they they start to figure that part out, um, that would be really cool. I I just I feel like that you know you've kind of the thing that's changed in this is the cost effectiveness of it, right? In that it used to be so wildly expensive, the notion that you could generate electricity in your car and have batteries and put it back into the network. It was so cost prohibitive. But now yeah. that we've lost scope on spending money on cars <laughs> because of this stuff, that it's almost hidden that cost prohibitive part. I don't know if you know this, but Dodge has come up with this brand new, beautiful electric truck. And it's beautiful. It's stunning. Um, it's electric. And you know how they're going to make it even better? They're putting a gas engine in it. <laughs> <laughs> to make it to have an extender like it's it's but yet we they market that as like it's genius actually no you're paying thirty thousand dollars more for a truck just to pay ten thousand dollars more for what it did originally for forty thousand dollars less and that's where the prohibitive part has been lost and it's just become this bowl of spaghetti of marketing and i just hope that people do just do what's right for you you know like you could have made a lot of money, Shane, but you know someone know. else took that idea and, and ran with it. I but got I, lots think, of I those do think failures yeah. in my life, buddy. <laughs> now, speaking of electricity, you were talking about some blankets that could hurt you. Yeah, well, we know the cost of living has gone up, and so people are trying to save again on their electricity bill. And one thing that people are doing is using these electric blankets. Now, these blankets contain integrated electrical heating wires that carry electric current through the blanket. And there's different types. You could have under blankets, over blankets, throws, and duvets. And technically, these electric blankets are supposed to use less energy than a room heater because you only have to have them on for about 10 or 20 minutes before they turn off. And when the warm air is trapped in your bed sheets, it stays kind of warm the entire night. So you kind of turn it on when you're about to go to bed and then they're supposed to turn off. The problem is, Shane, is you can buy these on third-party sellers, e-commerce sites like eBay, um, Amazon, Alibaba, and what have you. And there was this group in the UK, they found that these are actually very, very unsafe, these electric blankets. Some of them, you know, out of nine, out of 11 that they found were deemed that they couldn't be sold in the UK. And that's because these electric wires could easily be pulled off and others just lacked 
basic stand, safety standards. So stuff you would never make it into a retail store, you can still buy online and they're very, very dangerous. So the big thing and takeaway I want people to know is that if you are going to invest in electric blanket, you get what you pay for. Be very wary about these third-party knockoff brands because they can be very, very dangerous because they don't have those safety features built in. Stay with a brand name you recognize. And if it's not really a brand name you recognize, buy it from a store you recognize because uh, a North American, in particular Canadian store, is going to have to pay insurance. And they're not going to put anything on their shelves. It's going to cost them more insurance. So yeah. at least you can take... Um, let's take a little bit of comfort in, in that part of the story because you don't want to burn yourself. That's cool. This is the shift podcast. Are you okay with Santa Claus? Santa Claus. Oh, it's been a while. It's been almost, it's been over a month now since Santa visited. That's crazy to think how much time. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Santa is, I mean, he's just a beacon of joy and, and the good times at, at the Christmas. I do like playing Santa Claus in the sense of buying my family and friends really good Christmas presents, not expensive mm-hmm. ones, just good ones. And mm-hmm. seeing their faces when they open it. My dad, I got him a brand spanking new Montreal Canadian sweater for yeah, Christmas this like year. And that, that one oh. went over very well. And I, that was my oh. little Santa Claus moment. Mm. I don't know if that's a, a good gift, but it's a gift. He'd fight you on that one. It's the Canadians. Okay. Uh, last week uh, here on The Shift, we talked about a young Rhode Island girl's request for police to do DNA research and find evidence of Santa Claus. What the hell happened there? That's a typo. That's a Santa typo. Claus. Claus, Klaus. Anyway, she sent in a half-eaten cookie and a carrot asking the forensics team to identify the DNA uh, was her parents or Santa's. She needed to know. Here's a refresher. She's always a little bit skeptical and looking for the facts. Meet budding detective Scarlett D'Amato, who has her own lab of sorts at home. I watch crime shows, and I thought it was, like, cool to be a detective fourth grade and 10 years old too early to be thinking about a career <laughs> yeah the open case is being pursued by cumberland police that promised to get to the bottom of the mystery maybe there was a debate that needs to be settled but uh and we'll, we'll do our part to believe and keep that that dream alive what would you like the verdict to be that he's real so is it Santa? Is it the parents? This little girl needed to know. WJAR News right that with a port. Now the results are back. Now these scientists, you can imagine. Oof. This is a tough one. So the Rhode Island Department of Health says it was not able to definitively confirm or refute the presence of Santa. Uh-oh. Here's what the research said. The department tweeted on Monday that we all agree something magical may be at play. The department said it found no complete matches to anyone in the combined DNA index system, but said there was a partial match to a 1947 case entered around 34th Street in New York City, referring to the movie Miracle on 34th Street. Now, there I have some good news. The lab did say they found the presence of DNA closely matching Rangifert Tarandus. And that's what they've told the little girl. Ranger for Tarandis, we know as reindeer. Reindeer ate the cookie. And uh, I think that is absolutely wonderful, creative, beautiful, yep. and awesome. Is so that good. like, can, can you imagine the scientists in that moment? Face palm. Oh, no. Well, how are we going to do this? Like, how, do, how def- deep do we dig? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those labs are busy, man. They're processing thousands of cases and hundreds of different Mm -hmm. samples and there's a lot going on so i feel like also if you're in a forensics lab which you got to deal with some pretty heavy stuff getting a case like that across your desk is probably Mm -hmm. one of your career highlight moments Mm -hmm. i think so um i think that when you um when you when you really look at this and and how amazing that research they did was to find it it was actually reindeer who ate the cookie Amazing. And as a fan of Christmas, I feel like I have to do this. It's January and we're playing it already. 
Doesn't that make you smile, though? It does. It does. It absolutely does. All right. Uh, I had to... Oh, what an amazing scientific young lady, though, by the way. Uh, look out, oh, yeah. Horatio Kane. <laughs> it was the reindeer. Oh, wait. I got one. Oh. Looks like this cookie's crumbled. Oh, very good. It looks like this case has flown away. Mm. Oh, mm. I think this criminal's... No, I missed it. <laughs> jingled, his, <laughs> jingled his bells all the way home. Yeah. No, yeah, that was a stretch. All right. Let's try, though. Yeah, we, anyway, all, we always um, try for the puns. We always try for that. Hey, science. Science! We love it. Are you okay with mascots? Yes. Yeah, I like mascots. One of my core memories, my first ever NHL hockey game was when I was living in Toronto. I was not born in Toronto. I lived in Calgary first, and I knew who Harvey the Hound was. And when I went to that Leafs game, it was mascot night. So they had mascots from all across the NHL there and Harvey, the hound was there and I ran up and I gave him a big hug saying I'm from Calgary, you know, high five. And yeah, that was just like such an amazing memory for me as a kid. And that's right. There is kind of the magic of what mascots do when you're a kid. And then also they're just fun to watch when you're an adult drinking a dome foam. Oh, Sorry. That's a dome beer dome. at the saddle dome, by the way, uh, call them do dome joke. foams. Yeah, it's a Canada Calgary show. joke. Just, That's for like the just, people in Calgary. That's for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, a beloved hot dog stand in West Virginia faced a crisis last week. The Dairy Winkle suffered a fire. <laughs> I feel like I should have made that rhyme somehow. <laughs> the Dairy Winkle suffered a tinkle. Uh, while they were cleaning up the mess, something beautiful happened. Their beloved mascot, the Wiener Man was found safe the wiener man is a small statue of a hot dog man jay silverman made a video and posted it to social media thrilled to see the town's icon the wiener safe but then tragedy stuck struck again and then all of a sudden the next day someone breaks down the door glass door and all and steals the wiener man mm -hmm. so i felt terrible so i didn't know what to do so i thought well let me dress up in my hot dog suit because kind of known for that i guess now <laughs> for some particular reason but anyway uh, and i wanted i came out with a sign and said return the wiener man because of course i figured it had to be someone local that's what i was thinking i, I mean i figured if i was out there with a the sign somebody might at least encourage paco from the community hearing you know horns honking and everything else but maybe somebody might actually return them and then all of a sudden a sheriff rolls up behind me like 15 minutes later and i'm thinking okay here's where i get questioned because i just made this video maybe they think i stole the thing maybe i stole wiener man but i didn't so uh, luckily when the sheriffs came up they pulled out the wiener man out from the back seat of the car ironically many people have been arrested for pulling out the wiener man from the back seat of the car <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was an actual interview on live television by the way Ooh, um i may never forget that no me neither cbs 13 was the channel that, that by the way it's worth noting that the man in the interview dressed uh, was dressed in his hot dog suit for the whole conversation the beloved oh. meter wiener man is back in the <laughs> yes see <It's>... yes <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> the beloved wiener man is back in the rightful hands the restaurant owners say they hope to reopen at the beginning of the summer or hopefully sooner people were at the restaurant cleaning up debris to get the process moving on tuesday oh yep. uh Nighthawk Steve sent in one of the uh, a CSI one for us for Santa. Oh, good. If we can, good. I'm trying to distract myself from the <laughs> yeah, winner jokes. Uh, <laughs> you ready? This is the, the, yep. the, the, the little girl who wanted the DNA evidence about Santa. I guess you can say that this case has been gift wrapped. Nice. 
Well done. Thank you very much for that. Are you okay with... I'm really sorry about the wiener jokes. It's funny, though. Are you okay with libraries? Yeah. Libraries are fun. I mean, well, now they're more than just places to take out books. They've become like places for creative and co- uh, cooperative working, uh, which is really cool. And that is I cool. think that's a podcasting. Pretty, uh, podcasting. I think Meeting that's a rooms. really great trend especially to keep those places open because we i mean we need knowledge we need the libraries knowledge there's a lot of yelling going on um i think that uh libraries are cool calgary has a very beautiful library i went through the library looking for anybody who was reading a book there was nobody everybody was on a laptop but hey uh books make great decorations and one day you might need one but it's a central gathering place and i think that's the coolest part about it Several schools and libraries in one U.S. state are looking a little dry these days, and that state is our favorite, and it's called Florida. During the middle of Literacy Week at Mandarin Middle School, all the books in the library were gone. How do we live in a world where books are being banned from the classroom? Brian Covey says his kids attend Greenland Pines, and the books there were also taken this week. They said that before school, all the teachers had to pack up their stuff. The librarian apparently tearfully announced that she no longer had a resource class to do and she had to review all the books in the school. A teacher in Manatee County this week covered up the books in his classroom and put up a sign that reads, closed by order of the governor. The law requires books to be free from pornography, instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade, and discrimination in a way that an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin is inherently racist or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. Now, ironically, a book fair was happening at a children's school while the books were being removed. That's from Newsjacks 4. So why are schools being so cautious? The state specified that violating this law could count as a Class 3 felony from the government. Other examples of Class 3 felonies include stalking, deadly contact with uh, conduct with a firearm, intoxication assault, and possession of a firearm. So before we blame the libraries, they're doing uh, what they need to do. Uh, so they don't get in trouble from the government. Now, that being said, I, I do want to get the Florida song because it was a Florida clip and we need to do it. So let's hit the second one, please. I don't know how things work in Florida, which from your description sounds like a colorful, lawless swamp. This is the Shift Podcast. What's a book we should read? Your suggestions for us. We just were talking about libraries and the importance of them as gathering places. They've changed now. Most libraries and cities offer all kinds of services like getting on a computer, being able to scan documents, send emails, have access to the internet, be able to record podcasts and videos and have meetings with gatherings of people. It's really cool. The notion of books, though, often gets lost, but yet I don't think it really does. I think we really hang on to books. Everybody feels like they should write a book. Oh, you could write a book. And you probably could, and you probably should. That's all it is, is somebody declaring their story, and somebody listens to the story and loves it. What books should we read? 877-399-9898. I've got a couple here. Ryan, do you have one? Do you have two stories that you got put together? Two, three, four, seven? Uh, Book recommendations? Yeah. I've got one very solid book recommendation and then okay. several it's, graphic novels I can talk about. It's not a Lego how to though, right? Nope. Nope. It's a, oh, wow. it's a, it's a book. Look, see. Oh, it's not, yeah. it's not a picture book or nothing. No, it's not it's a picture fancy. book. Although there are pictures right in the middle of the book. <laughs> well, that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. Um, your comments here on the shift, all creatures great and small by James Herring an alias of Alfred Wright. Thank you very much for that. What else should we read? We should read When the Phone Rang, War Between the Classes, Young Readers. The book Missing from Me, True Story from John. Shogun, definitely Shogun. Um, Thank you very much. What book should we read? Well, I have two, so I'll go first. Do you want the Hippy Dippy Shane book or do you want the, um, the fiction book? first mm. they're both kind of happy dippy let's be honest it's me i think honestly you just 
do the hippie thing first. Do the okay, hippie thing first. first. All right. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh is a French-speaking monk, and he's written all kinds of books. They're fundamentally all the same. There's sort of a different look at all all of it. It's all hippy-dippy. It's all, you know, Buddhist monk. And it's all really about... Um, it just you know the, the looking inside which is fundamentally what a monk would talk about the book is called you are here and it was one of the first books that i ever picked up that was about mindfulness and presence the story of this book of why i got this book is i actually walked to the mall in honolulu with my son we went to the alamoana mall we were because we forgot to pack underwear for my son and so my son and i uh, caught the bus went to the mall walked around the mall and i wanted to get uh, How to Make Friends and Influence People was actually the book that I was looking for. They said they had one, according to the computer, asked the person for help, said, where's this book? The person said, well, we'll, we'll try to find it. I'll go look downstairs. And when they're looking downstairs, I was drawn to this table of these yellow books. And I was drawn to it. Oh, I can't find the book. The person came back. I was like, okay. So I was sort of determined to buy it. And I couldn't resist looking at this book. So I do subscribe to the notion, magical that it might be, that sometimes books find us. Right? So here is uh, You Are Here. It's right towards the beginning of the book. You Are Here is a book about presence. I think it's really, really good. It goes like, we're going to read a little segment for you, by the way. You are here for life. And if you are here for life, life will be here for you. It's simple. Now, sidebar, you faithful people, you will notice that that sounds pretty darn familiar, right? First miracle of mindfulness is presence. The first miracle brought to you by mindfulness is your own presence, your real presence. With this energy dwelling inside you, you become completely alive. When the energy of mindfulness is dwelling in you, Buddha is dwelling in you. The energy of mindfulness is the energy of Buddha. It is the equivalent of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is, there is also uh, understanding, life, healing, and compassion. Where mindfulness is, true life, solidarity, freedom, and healing will manifest. We all have the ability to generate this energy with mindfulness. So the miracle of mindfulness, first of all, is that you are here. Being truly here is important. Being here for yourself and for the ones you love. How can you love if you are not here? It's a fundamental condition for love is presence and life. And isn't that true? Now, that is a book that the cool part about him, even though he's a Buddhist, is he writes to all faiths and he writes, especially for Christian background people to understand. What books should we read? 877-399-9898. Mysteries of Canada's Interesting Facts of Canada's Unknown Places. Oh, that sounds great. Um, I guess you could. Oh, no, that's a wiener joke. <laughs> Doors by Ian Rankin, Gritty Reality in Modern Edinburgh as a setting for classic heist. Nice twist. I consumed it in a weekend. Couldn't put it down. Catherine. 877-399-9898. What books should we read, Ryan? Okay, let me tell you what book you should read right now. It's a book called The Disaster Artist. Might have heard of the movie. The Disaster Artist is a book written by Greg Sestero and Tom Bissell. Now, Greg Sestero plays Mark in a movie called The Room, which is the best, worst movie ever made. A movie that is so unfathomably bad, it's kind of fascinating. And Greg's experience making the film and also being best friends with Tommy Wiseau, who is the very strange man who created the film, is the story in this book. I'm about halfway through, and it is incredibly inspiring. It is a story about friendship, uh, unlikely pairings, a bizarre look at Hollywood. And also as someone who tried to be an actor myself, it's really interesting to just hear this tenacity. But I want to read to you a, a very, very, a, a, a portion that was so funny to me that I actually started tearing up on the plane the, when I was flying and reading it. And so for context, here is a scene from The Room. It's seven seconds. And this is Tommy Wiseau reading a couple of lines at a very famous moment from the movie. Here it is. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Okay. Oh, so hi. that's, that's seven seconds that. from the okay, room. get it. That's a joke you make. So I'm going to read from you a, a little bit from a chapter where Greg is talking about how they shot that, that scene. 
Now, the only thing you need to know is that they've been trying to shoot this for quite a while at this point, and they can't do it. And uh, Tommy uh, leaves, gets into the scene by walking out of this outhouse. And so this is what it reads. Sandy, who is on set, joined us from the side of the rooftop set. He looked for a long time at Tommy's water bottle before speaking. What's this? Water bottle, Tommy said. Sandy took a lungful, deep, calming breath. Yes, I know. What are we doing with it? I need to throw something during scene. Sandy turned away, removed his glasses, sat down, and rubbed his eyes. Tommy headed back to the outhouse, his water bottle in hand, and his script hidden in his breast pocket. I sat down. Sandy stood by the monitor. Action! The door flew open, and there was Tommy, holding his water bottle and stepping out of the outhouse and hitting his head on the door jab so hard it took 20 minutes to ice the bum desperately. How are we ever going to finish this? This is impossible. I'm going to skip ahead a little. Tommy noticed me idling and called me over. Greg, I need you here. He wanted to continue running his lines. It was hopeless. He still couldn't remember them, and now to make things worse, it was possible he had a concussion. Sandy and I huddled together and came up for a line for Tommy to remember. Okay, here's what you do, I said. I did not, mad, 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 throw the water bottle, stop, notice me, look up. Tommy asked that I repeat that formula several times. Show me monsieur, Tommy said. By now, his bruise had been fully concealed. He took a breath, returned to the outhouse, and did the scene. At long last, we got the shot. It took three hours and 32 takes, but we got the shot. If you can, I implore you to watch this scene. It's seven seconds long. Three hours, 32 takes, and it was only the second day of filming. Cool. Uh, Trucker Dan says, oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Uh, that's fun. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Maybe we should have everyone share a pick of their favorite book on their fa- on the Facebook group. No, I'm always looking for something new to read, and I think everyone sharing their favorite book is a great idea. Okay, so yes, this has already started. Actually, we will. If you don't see it yet, you will see it any second now. A thread at shiftheads.ca on our Facebook group too. For once the show is done, we can continue to share the books there. Robert is in Cochrane. Hey, Robert. Hi. Um... Yeah, the best book I've ever read is called Einstein by Walter Isaacson. Mm-hmm. And it's all about his life. And when he got to the States, he not only developed his theories, but he started the civil rights movement and fought against mm-hmm. injustice all over the world. Well, he was quite a it, rebel, wasn't he, from the very beginning from the book, Robert? Like, I believe if the if the book, because it was written by a, a his, uh, professor of history, I know that. And it... Mm-hmm. Um, he was quite the rebel when he was young. He wasn't like this super smart nerd guy that everybody loved. He he liked to fight against the establishment. He was, and he he uh, was not very good with women either. He went through several women, but uh, his his ideas are just amazing. If you read the book, you, you you'll you'll be amazed at the stuff that he did. Amazing. He wasn't Thanks so much. Smart. Appreciate he the call. Very, Go ahead. Sorry, finish your thought. Man. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Robert. We have a bit of a delay on the call. Finish your thought, please. That's okay. He was he was a very gifted man, and he fought for mankind more than almost anybody else I know. Wonderful. Thanks very much for the call, Robert and Cochran. Appreciate you. It's Einstein, His Life and Universe, Walter Isaacson. We'll put that link up, too. It's actually listed on Goodreads as a, a good read there, too, for you to check out. 877-399-9898. What book? Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album is coming up. Um. Pillars of the Earth, excellent book, Shane. Try reading that. So one of my favorite fiction books is Matt Haig, The Humans. And uh, you'll, you'll hear my <laughs> hippy-dippy again in this. So this is the story of an alien that comes down to Earth to save Earth. Basically, the storyline is this. The, in the book, all of the universe is made up with calculations. And there's a mathematician on Earth who figures out a calculation, which is the core of all the calculations. It would give humans the power to do anything. And... Humans aren't ready for it. So this alien has to come down and kill this guy in order to take away the secret. And he has to find the person and everything else. So he comes down as an alien. He becomes a human. And he has to live as a human on Earth to figure this out. That's the premise of the story. This is towards the end. This is when he's done and he has to go back to be an alien. This was, I realized, a beautiful planet. Maybe it was the most beautiful at all. But beauty creates its own troubles. You look at a waterfall or an ocean or a sunset, and you find yourself wanting to share it with someone. 
Beauty be not caused, said Emily Dickinson. It is. In one way, she was wrong. The scattering of light over a long distance creates a sunset. The crashing of ocean waves on a beach is created by tides, which are themselves the result of gravitational forces exerted by the sun and the moon and the rotation of the earth. These are causes. The mystery lies in how those things become beautiful. And they wouldn't have been beautiful once, at least not to my eyes. The experience, beauty on earth, you needed to experience pain and know the mortality. This is why so much that is beautiful on this planet has to do with time passing and the earth turning. Which might also explain why to look at such natural beauty was also to feel sadness and craving for a life unlived. It was this particular kind of sadness that I felt that evening. It came with its own gravitational pull, tugging me eastwards towards England. I told myself I just wanted to see them again one last time. I just wanted to catch sight of them from a distance to see with my own eyes that they were safe. It's a story about when he's got to go back to being an alien again, and he doesn't want to go after being on Earth. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. Stream on Stack TV.